Okay, and we're live. So welcome back to our Sutta study. Today we will be finishing up, hopefully, the Chula Hati Pado Pama Sutta. Jiminy Kai number 27, um, picking up where we left off on Thursday of last week. So as usual, we will be, once we get started, we'll be reading the, chanting the Pali, and then reading and discussing the English. There's not much left in this sutta, actually it might be a short one. The discussion might be short because it's just going to go over the, the four jhanas. There's a couple of paragraphs that are interesting. So, yeah, I guess we can just start. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa So imina chariye nasila khande nasamaranagato Imaya charya yasanturtiya samanagato. Imina charyena indriya samvarena samanagato. Imina charyena sati sampajanyena samanagato. Vivitang sena sanang bajatiaranyam. Rukamulam pambatang kandarang giriguhang Susanang wanapatang ambokasang palalapunjang Sopachabatang pindapatapatikanto Nisidati palangkang abujitwa Ujung kayang parnidaya parimukang sating upartapitwa. So abidjang loke pahaya. Vigata bijena chetasa viharati. Abidjaya chitang parisodeti. Vyapada padosang pahaya. Chitang? Padosang. Vyapadapadosampahaya Abhyapanajitto viharati Sambhapanabhutanitanukampi Vyapadapadosachitamparisodeti Tinamidampahaya viyatatinamidno viharati Aloka sanyi sato sampajano Tinamidang chittam parisodeti Udrachakukuchang Pahaya anudato viharati Ajatam upasanta chitto Udrachakukuchang parisodeti Vichikicham Bahayatina Vichikicho Viharati Akatangati Kusale Sudamesu Vichikichayati 
Tam Pariso Deti Soime Panjani Varane Bahaya Cheta So Upakile Se Panjaya Dumbali Karane Viviche Vakamehi Vivicha Akusalehi Dammehi Savitakang Savicharang Vivekachang Pitisukang Patamang Janang Upasampancha Vihalati Idang Vuchati Brahmanatathagatapadang Itipi Tathagatani Sevitang Itipi Tathagataranjitang Itipi Natvevatava Ariyasavako Nirthangachati Samma Sambuddho Bhagavad Svakato Bhagavata Dhammo Supatipanno Bhagavato Savaka Sangoti Punachaparam Brahmana Bhikkhuva Vitakka Vicharanangu Pasama Anjatang Sampasadhanang Chetasoeko Dibhavang Avitakang avicharang samadhi jampiti sukang Tutiyang janang upasampadja viharati Idampi vuchati brahmana pesu patipanno bhagavato savaka sanghoti Punachaparang brahmana bhikkupiti yasha viraga Upeka kocha viharati satocha sampajano Sukancha kayena patisang vedeti Yang tang ariya akshikanti Upeka kosatima sukaviharati Tati yang janang upasampajja viharati Idam pivuchati brahmana pesu patipanno bhagavato savaka sangho Punachaparam brahmana bhikkusukasa chapahana Dukkasa chapahana bhumbeva somanasa domanasanam atangama Adukkama sukang upeka satipari suddhain Chandut Pranjanang Upasampancha Viharati Idapivuchati Brahmana Tathagatapadang Itipi Tathagatanivsevitang Itipi Tathagataranjitang Itipi Natvevatava Ariyasavako Nittangachati Sammasambuddho Bhagavas Svakato Bhagavata Dhammo Supatipanno Bhagavato Savaka Sangoti Sohevang Samahite Chitte Parisunde Pariyodate Anangane Vigato Pakilese Mudubhute Kammaniye Tirte anen japate bhumbe niwasanu sattinyanaya Chittam abhininan meti 
ಸೋನೇಕವಿಹಿತಂಪುಂಬೆಸರತಿ ಸಯತಿಂಕೆ ಕಂಪಿಜಾತಿ ಸಾಕಾರಸೇಕವಿಹಿತಂಪುಂಬೆಸರತಿ ಇಚ್ಚತಿ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣಾಥಾಗತಪದಿಸೇವಿತಿಪಿ ಸ್ವಾಖಾತೋಭಗವತಾಂಸುಪಟಿಪನ್ನೋಭಗವತೋಸಾವಕಸಂಘೋ ಚಿತ್ತಿಸುಪಾತಿ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣಿ ತಥಾಗತ್ತಿಸೇವಿತಿಪಿ ಸೋಯಂಸಮಿತೇಚಿತ್ತೆಪರಿಸುಧೇಪರಿಯೋಧಾತೆ ಸೋಯಂಕಿಯೋಧಿಯೋಧಿಯೋಧಿ ಇಮೇಯಾಸುವಾಧಿಯೋಧಿಯೋಧಿ ಇಚ್ಚತಿ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣಾಥಾಗತಪದಿಪಿ ತಥಾಗತಿಪಿ ನಾಥ್ವೈವಾರ್ಯಸಾವಕೋ ನಿಗತೋ ಅಪ
स्वागत ตัสมิงวิมุตตมิติญาณังโหติคีนาจาติวุสิตังบรัมมะชริยังกตังการณียังนาปรังอิตตัตตายาติปจานาติอิดัมปิวุจจติบรัมมะนาทากะทัปป
it must be elsewhere, but it's not the, it's not the standard phrase to use. We're giving all these uh, options. Going to the forest, root of a tree, mountain, ravine. Doesn't um, doesn't even mention akuti. So the idea is here that the uh, best thing would be to just go off and live in in nature. Well, preferably where there's not too many mosquitoes. Well, there's people who can give you food. Yeah, there's people who can give you food, but that's not so difficult to find. We don't you don't need that much food, especially when you're just meditating. Right. So, or um, the way of thinking of this is the time during the day when the person is meditating. Right. So it's not necessarily referring to yeah the dwelling the dwelling place means once one has lived in the monastery and undertaken morality, then one should leave the monastery and go off into the forest or, or go off into a place suitable outside of the monastery but nearby, so one may actually be staying in a kuti somewhere. But, uh, but quite often they would just live in, maybe in robe tents or something, turn their tents into robes was a common thing. Apparently Sariputta did that one. Turn their robes into tents? Yeah, you put one of the robes up, like on a cord or something. You said turn their tents into robes. Turn their robes into tents. Right. Uh, returning from his alms round, after his meal, he sits down, holding his legs crosswise, setting his body erect, and establishing mindfulness before him. Abandoning covetousness for the world, he abides with a mind free from covetousness. He purifies his mind from covetousness. Abandoning ill will and hatred, he abides with a mind free from ill will, compassionate for the welfare of all living beings. He purifies his mind from ill will and hatred. Abandoning sloth and torpor, he abides free from sloth and torpor. Percipients of light, mindful and fully aware, he purifies his mind from sloth and torpor. Abandoning restlessness and remorse, he abides unagitated with a mind inwardly peaceful. He purifies his mind from restlessness and remorse. Abandoning doubt, he abides having gone beyond doubt. Unperplexed about wholesome states, he purifies his mind from doubt. Okay, so two parts. The first part is discussing how the person should sit during meditation, which is common. So uh, first things first is you have to eat first, right? Uh, it's not true. So it doesn't mean you can't meditate before you've had your one meal, because monks are eating one meal a day. Doesn't mean you can't meditate before that, but meditation always goes better after after the food, because it's the one food that we'd have during the day, and after that, then uh, you have the energy to continue in the meditation. So folding your legs crosswise would be ideally sitting in the full lotus position. That's what that's referring to with your feet actually up on your hips. Uh, setting your body erect means um, actually getting the spine aligned. One 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 bone on top of the other. Um, establishing mindfulness before him. Now this is not, we, we often kind of trivialize this um, because we're not expecting the meditators to get powerful states of, of concentration. So we'd suggest that you sit comfortably if that means slouching a little bit. It's not really a problem. Because obviously these, are, these are, are not in any way related to understanding reality as it is, but they are related to the acquire, acquisition of, of concentration, of, of yeah, tranquility. So if you're practicing to gain tranquility first, there's heavy states of 
these strong states of calm, which he's going to talk about here, then you really do need to, uh, to, to take care of such those things as food and posture. There's neither, even food isn't necessary for, or isn't such a big deal for uh, attainment of insight. But for tranquility, it's important. It's quite important. So then he talks about what he's talking about here are the five hindrances from here on. And you abandon the five hindrances, um, abide free from, free from the five hindrances, and purifying your mind from the five hindrances. They give some, each one has its own little unique uh, phrase. So abandoning covetousness, covetousness means desires for, the, for worldly things, uh, ill will. It has to do with hatred, compassion, uh, no, it has to do with compassion, so one becomes compassionate. Sloth and torpor, one becomes percipient of light. Percipient of light is, um, it's something that the Buddha talks about, it's a curious statement, it has to do with, with having a bright mind, you know. So, um, there are actually, there's a place where the Buddha talks about when it's night, having a, having the perception that it's like daytime, not somehow somehow uh, giving rise to energy, which is why often they, we we are encouraged to keep our lights on, turn your lights on when you're doing meditation, hmm. stops you from falling asleep, have a way of cheating. Well, I, never, I never do that. It can help at night. Some triggers some darkness triggers something in the mind. Restlessness and remorse. One becomes unagitated and peaceful inwardly. Abandoning doubt. One becomes unperplexed about wholesome states. So one knows what's good and what's bad, and one um, doesn't have any doubt about them. So this would have to do with repeated application of the meditation practice, whether it's inside or or tranquility, it doesn't really matter. The point is that you continuously apply the mind until the mind straightens out and the mind begins to get into the habit of having freedom from these five things. And if you're practicing insight, then it leads to insight. If you're practicing tranquility, then it leads, as it's talked about here, it leads first to all the states of tranquility. So you want to... Having thus abandoned these five hindrances, imperfections of the mind that weaken wisdom, quite secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states, he enters upon and abides in the first jhana, which is accompanied by applied and sustained thought, with rapture and pleasure born of seclusion. This, Brahman, is called a footprint of the Tathagata, something scraped by the Tathagata, something marked by the Tathagata, but a noble disciple does not yet come to the conclusion. The Blessed One is fully enlightened. The Dhamma is well proclaimed by the Blessed One. The Sangha is practicing the good way. So if you remember what the, the original simile was that when you see the big footprint, you should you should um, come to the conclusion that that's a bull elephant. And the Buddha said, well, actually, even with bull elephants, that's not always the case because it could still be a she-elephant, a very big she-elephant. And even when you see the markings high up of the tusks, you don't think that only a bull elephant can do that because young elephants can also be very... Big and, and stand up on their hind legs and so on. So the same goes um, with the jhanas. One, the, one doesn't come to the conclusion that these are a sign that the, that the teacher of these things is enlightened or that this practice is the practice to enlightenment because people outside of the Buddhist teaching can also 
cultivate these things. It's not unique to Buddhism by any means. It's uh, a characteristic of tranquility meditation, which is practiced in many different religious and spiritual traditions. We've talked about the jhana. So then the, then the, the second jhana is the same, the third jhana is the same, the fourth jhana is the same. We've talked about these before, or we've read through these before anyway. And he says none of these none of these are a reason to come to a conclusion that the Buddha is enlightened. But the final one, no, we have then we have the births. We've done these as well, right? We've talked about reflecting manifold. Even when you remember past lives, we don't consider it then. Knowledge of passing away and reappearing of beings. Understands how being passed away. We've we've read all this before in other suttas. So uh, remembering past lives and seeing beings arise and pass away, die from one birth and are born in another birth, also not uh, a sign of enlightenment, of uh, characteristic of enlightenment. But the last one is we have it. Yeah, this one here. When his concentrated mind is thus purified, bright, unblemished, rid of imperfection, malleable, willy, steady, and attained to imperturbability perturbability and perturbability he directs it to knowledge of the destruction of the taints he understands as it actually is this is suffering this is the origin of suffering this is this is the cessation of suffering this is the way leading to the cessation of suffering these are the taints this is the origin of the taints this is the cessation of the taints this is the way leading to the cessation of the taints so you notice that he uses the same formula for suffering as he does for the taints. And in the, I believe, the Samaditi Sutta, Sariputta goes through several of them, 12, I think, different kinds. So you see that the, the, the formula is the important thing. What is the cause, of, what is the problem, and what is the cause of the problem? What is the solution or the, the uh, healthy state, the good state, and what is the... Um, the, the path that leads to the good thing. So this is bad thing, cause of bad thing. Good thing, cause of good thing. Same here. Bad thing, the taints, cause of the bad thing. Good thing, cause of the good thing. The bad thing is also, the good thing is also the absence of the bad thing. So you could say bad thing, cause of bad thing, uh, cessation of bad thing, and paths leading to cessation of the bad thing. So this one, uh, he's going to talk down here about it. We didn't uh, separate it into two paragraphs. Okay, here's the point, is that with the practice of Samatha meditation, the mind becomes quite clear and bright. So it's, it is a good thing to practice first. You practice it and your mind becomes imperturbable. Then you can direct it to the knowledge and destruction of the taste. You don't need to exactly. As long as you get to a state of imperturbability, it doesn't have to be based on all this stuff above. You don't have to remember your past life. It helps to do all that stuff because your mind becomes so strong that it's very quick to become enlightened. If you, want, if you go straight to the goal, you just get enough to see things as they are. You don't have to go through all the loops and hoops. <coughs> there are monks who, claim, who said that they didn't have these things and they still became arahats. All you have to do is this one, understand suffering and the cause of suffering and the cessation of suffering, way they need the cessation of suffering. Same with the taints. The taints are also, the taints are all the 
all the defilements, all the attachments that we have, all the things that corrupt our mind, and they all come from, still from tanha, still from some kind of craving for things to be this way or that, or to not be this way or that. Okay, and this one? This too, Brahman, is called a footprint of the Tathagata. Oh, so wait, wait. Yeah. This, yeah, so we're not there yet. So, sorry, he doesn't yet. Wait, go ahead. This one's different. Not, not different. Go ahead. Something marked by the Tathagata, but a noble disciple still has not yet come to the conclusion. The Blessed One is fully enlightened. The Dhamma is well proclaimed by the Blessed One. The Sangha is practicing the good way. Rather, he is in the process of coming to this conclusion. Okay, so Bodhi, I'll let Bhikkhu explain why this one's different. It's special, but it's not the most special yet. So this is the moment of the path. Hmm. Coming to the conclusion. This is because there's one moment, the moment when one experiences, realizes the Four Noble Truths, one hasn't become free. One, one has, there's, there's no, during that moment of, ex, of realizing the truth, one, uh, that there's, there's no knowledge of freedom. So it has to come in the next moment. That's what the commentary says about this. There's, there's other ways, I think, to, to, to explain that, but that would be the canonical, the orthodox interpretation. Anyway, point is, once he knows and sees thus, read the next paragraph. When he knows and sees thus, his mind is liberated from the taints of sensual desire, from the taint of being, and from the taint of ignorance. When it is liberated, there comes the knowledge, it is liberated. He understands, birth is destroyed, the holy life has been lived, what had to be done has been done. There is no more coming to any state of being. Right. And go for the next, read the next part. Read it all together. This too, Brahman, is called a footprint of the Tathagata, something scraped by the Tathagata, something marked by the Tathagata. It is at this point that a noble disciple has come to the conclusion the Blessed One is fully enlightened, the Dhamma is well proclaimed by the Blessed One, the Sangha is practicing the good way. And it is at this point, Brahman, that the simile of the elephant's footprint has been completed in detail. Okay, so the point, at that moment of realization, that's when one is coming to the conclusion that this is the path to enlightenment. The next moment, and from, from that, that point on, one has already come to the conclusion that this is, this is the path to enlightenment. This is the top, this is the bull elephant of, of religion, of, of spiritual practice. This one has realized for oneself. Not much to say there, no? All of these are stock passages. And we got something a little bit new here. I don't think we've read this one before. When this was said, well, this was said the Ramanjanu Soni said to the Blessed One, Magnificent Master Gotama, Magnificent Master Gotama, Master Gotama has made the Dhamma clear in many ways, as though he were turning upright what had been overthrown, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to one who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms. I go to Master Gotama for refuge and to the Dhamma and to the Sangha of Bhikkhus. From today, let Master Gotama remember me as a lay follower who has gone to him for refuge for life. There's a stock passage and it'll change here. Um, everyone seems to say the same thing exactly, but uh, this, this changes. Some of them ask to go forth. Sometimes they will ask to go forth as a monk, and in this case, he just decided he just asked to become a lay follower, which is also common. Depends on who the person was. 
but this is stock passage. It's quite poetic and it's it's quite apt, really, because you feel that way when you practice. That something it feels like someone had just turned upright, would have been over, would have been flipped upside down, uh, revealing what was hidden. Suddenly, showing the lighting up a lamp right in the dark for those with eyesight to see. Now he notices he still calls him Gotama. That's his clan name. All right, so that's the end of the Jula Hati Padopama Sutta. So, we can end there. Hey, we weren't singing. I said we were singing, chanting. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in, and uh, see you all next time.